Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast with myself, Joe Oberle from uh, vikingsterritory.com and purpleptsc.com and Mark Craig from the Star Tribune and startribune.com. Mark, this offseason is officially underway. We got the combine coming up this weekend. We got uh, coaches being hired. We have Quasi doing a presser. We have everything going on, and we have we have Kirk Cousins doing a, a Netflix series. So it's all it's... happening right now. So I, I guess uh, I guess the the biggest news of the day, anyway, so far. Quasi Adolfo Mensa had a uh, press conference this morning at the combine, and uh, you you checked it out. Uh, what were uh, what were your thoughts, Mark? What were your highlights from you, or what did you take uh-huh. away from it? Joe, Joe, it's madness. I mean, it's uh, it's February twenty eighth. It's it's crazy, Joe. It's insane. It's uh, NFL. It's crazy time. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. The takeaway, uh, you know, he's asked about Kirk Cousins, and he said that Kirk Cousins meets the threshold of a quarterback you can win with. So how about that? How about that uh, statement right there? <laughs> he meets. The- well, he's an analytics guy, so you know, uh, and you know, to me, and then he also followed up with the the key part was he goes how how long that's the question. They have to determine. In other words, in other words, you know, I mean, they, they uh, the feeling is, I mean, they're, they're gonna, they, they, they are tied with him for this year, for you yeah. know, and, and but in order, it, and you know, it's gonna go more than this year, so it's the, it's a matter of, you know, they got, they got cap problems everywhere, uh, so they're, you know, my guess is, you know, uh, especially whenever you hear them, you know, that the, the talk now is that they won't be a one year extension. There's not gonna right. be a one year extension. So now, is it two years? Is it three years? Um, the, the thing is, he, you know, as, as Quasi puts it, it, he's he's a guy that, that crosses that threshold of, of you can win a championship with this guy, but you got to put pieces around him. Not there's there are teams that can't say that about what they have at quarterback. So while he's not Patrick Mahomes and he's not Joe Burrow, he's not Josh Allen. He's a guy that you can win with, and um, you know, so th- that's. I look for him to have some sort of extension, two, three years. And then, you know, there's always ways of getting out of these, these contracts that, you know, if it's, if it ends up being too long, uh, it's not our money. The Wills are the ones that will be, you know, either pay him all the way through his career or have to pay it off and take some dead money or whatever. But, but he's the guy, you know, he, he's, and you gotta, you gotta get the, the cap number down. It's supposed to be what 36 over 36 this year. So they're going to look and try and bring that down and try and, do some things uh, around him so that that cap, cap number is lower. So uh, that was my, you know, the, the number one on Kirk takeaway. Uh, Hold on. The other oh, one. I got some follow okay. up here. All right. Should, should, uh, should uh, Kirk be bathed in the magnificence of that comment that he meets the threshold and we just don't know for how long. Oh my God. If that's, if that's praise, that's faint at best. And that's just, uh, that's just like, I, yeah, maybe got it, like you said, consider the source, but holy buckets. I I, I don't think I would be, uh, uh, you know, buying a lake home in Minnesota, Kirk, and I already got the house. But. Well, you know, I mean, I guess, you, you know, if you want flowery, you know, you know you're talking about a numbers guy. Uh, he got a lot of trouble, and he also kind of went into a shell last year whenever he had the, you know, the uh, he made the comment of uh, something like he's not, basically he's not Aaron Rodgers, he's not this guy or that guy, you know, the, the great ones, you know, saying a, you're saying a truth, but you're in your position. You're not supposed to say it. It's bad. It doesn't look good for the, you know, the quarterback. 
uh, for you to say that, but, you know, so to me, this is a little bit better than that. Uh, I mean, meeting the threshold that you can win a championship with is for me, uh, based on Kirk's, you know, most of his career is, you know, that's a praise that that's in there. And they're going to be paid. They paid him well. So I, I don't know what more uh, you can, you can look for without just, you know, being flowery, gushy stuff that wouldn't have any, at least not to me, it wouldn't. Like if you were to come out and say, if you were to come out and just ignore the facts and say, Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback in the league, and that's the hill I'm going to die on. People well, you would know, laugh. That, yeah, that's just it. I mean, I, I suppose anything he says is going to be met with both sides. You got the Kirk haters and the Kirkistans, and you, so you have to probably kind of just waltz the middle of the road so you don't inflame everybody. But, you know, there's people that want him to just play out the last year of his contract and be done with him but that would put him in a bad and then what yeah Yeah. and then and then what yeah uh you know to me uh that's that's just kind of that's not a very good way of looking at it because whether you know i guess if you hate him you that's what you want you nick mullins is your guy and nick mullins can take you into the future next year Mm -hmm. what stuff like Mm -hmm. that that's 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 unrealistic to me you know this is the was the first year with him and o'connell together 13 win you know they come back NFL history. They, they overcame a, a defense that, as we all saw, was not up to par by any stretch of the imagination. So why kind of cut them off at the knees after one year or two years? It's not like this is a guy that, you know, uh, well, is, is he going to be there? I mean, based on his track record, his durability is, is, is it doesn't get any better than his durability mm-hmm. unless you're one of the Manning brothers, you know, it's uh, the, the, the streaks and the way that he, stays healthy. Uh, so this is the price. I think I've said this before on the podcast. It's the price of doing business is, is that until you have the first pick in the draft and you get Joe Burrow and he's ready in two years to take you to the Super Bowl, this is your reality. You, you know, your reality is this and they can win with this, which is what, what Quasey said. Uh, it's just a matter of how they piece it all together with the cap. Yeah. You really can't ask much more for him this year uh with the way he his his uh late game heroics and comeback wins and late game drives except for uh win a playoff game i guess and if that's that's the whole i think the fulcrum the whole crux of the thing you know, are you do you like kirk or not he can get you to a certain point but can he get you over that hump into the next level and um if you, you don't like kirk you say that he can't and you want to move on as soon as possible but uh if you're smart as an organization, you want to have the next, the next step behind him already in progress. You know, you look at the Packers will probably move on from, from uh, Aaron Rodgers, maybe, and they got Jordan Love who's been sitting there waiting, you know, who they think is, is good enough to go. The Vikings don't have that. And we don't even know if they'll get it this year in the draft, unless, uh, you know, they can start using monopoly money for, for trade barter in, in, in the draft. I don't know. I, I don't know. So I, I don't think you have any other choice into what you said is to extend them a couple of years. And then as you move, you know, start backfilling with other younger quarterbacks. And if you get the one, then you can start finessing that cap later on. Right. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a terrible situation. I mean, it's um, you know, that he didn't win a playoff game, but you could, <laughs> Uh, the, the Vikings defense also, you know, this is, this is still a team game. The quarterback's the most important player, but it's still a team game. The Vikings defense made Daniel Jones look like Steve Young in that game. And, you know, he yeah. set records for, for rushing and passing and, 
uh, no interceptions. And so, um, you know, Kirk took, take, can get you to a certain point. Uh, you know, like even a Dan Marino couldn't overcome uh, yeah. not having a running game, not having uh, a defense. So, you know, Dan Marino, you know, for people like us, was as, as you know, one of the most as fantastic as there ever was. And he, you know, he couldn't, he didn't win a, uh, in a championship game. So, you know, uh, I like how Quasi said it. It's, it's, this is our, this is a guy we can win with. And we're going to figure out how, how all fits together. And, um, you know, maybe he's, he's still, he's still angling for the one year like extension and go another year. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm sure Kirk's people are saying, Hey, I want two or three years. Uh, and then looking around the league and seeing a Deshaun Watson get guaranteed money might be saying, Hey, two or three guaranteed years. It's all kind of the dance that's going on now. And does, does um, guaranteed money cripple, cripple the teams in sour cap wise? Is that, I mean, it, it's obviously great for, for Kirk, but does that, you know, guaranteed money, all that guaranteed money, which Kirk has had all the way along, does that kind of put a damper on what you can do with your cap? It's flexibility. Well, there's, there's a guy sitting in Kentucky that would argue that, that, yeah, it's a, you know, if you put all your money, if you put too much of your money in, into the quarterback, your defense is going to hurt. And, uh, you know, that, that's what B. Zimmer's argument against to Kirk. Uh, but isn't it, can't, but, you, can't you put you know, it up on, on like signing bonuses and, and, and dump a lot of that guaranteed money there? So it doesn't. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's all a matter of just how, you know, kids kicking the can down the road in some, some respects. Uh, you know, back when Red McCombs owned the team, uh, when they got, went out and got Winfield, they, they almost, they had to come up to the minimum part of the salary cap. So they were, they dumped almost everything into that for into his first year uh, and had nothing like you had, didn't kick any cans down the road. The Vikings now uh, in the, the latter stages of Spielman and Zimmer uh, swung for the fences hard with some cap. Uh, so, you know, take their future a little bit with, with trying to win it, right. Win it in uh, 19, 20, 21 uh, and couldn't do it. So there's a little bit of, of maneuvering that has to be done. Uh, but you know, you, you've got to start, you start with the quarterback, I think, and then you kind of work your way, you know, from there, you know, is, uh, one more question on this cap that we both, neither one of us is uh, experts on, but is it, you know, I mean, we all talk about the cap. We all fear the cap. The Vikings have no cap space off, blah, 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 blah. But isn't it really when, when the NFL adds more to the cap each year, more space, isn't it really more flexible than we think it is? And they could, cause they have done some amazing things in the past. We didn't, we were sitting here last year wondering the same thing, how they're going to fit a team under the cap. And, you know, by the time they came around to the beginning of the season, they signed some free agents and they did. And it's, it's isn't it really kind of more flexible than. We well, I mean, it, it, it becomes flexible for them, but then it becomes flexible for everyone else. So the, the, the Packers, the Lions, the Bears, everyone else has more money to spend. You could say they went out and got free agents, but did they go, you know, uh, like uh, when the the Chiefs, when the Chiefs needed an offensive line, they, they their right their right guard was the best guard, right guard in 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 the league, and that was too much money for a team like the Vikings to afford. Mm-hmm. They went out and got Joe Thune, and penciled him, put him in, and then they made a trade and got their left tackle, and they, you know, they probably at that time had more, you know they're they're on uh, probably Mahomes' rookie contract, I believe. Uh, so yeah, it becomes flexible. There's ways they can always get, they can always, you know, get this done. I mean, the, when they had to do, when they had to sign, uh, 
Anthony, when they wanted Anthony Barr for one year, one other year or two, whatever it was, you know, they, before the, before the, uh, uh, right before the deadline, they're, they're talking to Everson Griffin, getting a signing bonus for him to, to move some money around yeah. and make it work for Anthony Barr. So it gets done, but you know, it's all relative. I mean, yeah, the Vikings aren't going to like not field a team in 2023. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not like you're going to find a team that comes, believe me, a Cleveland or a Houston or someone, if that was possible, there would be like teams that were, ah, we don't have any money left to play this year. Uh, that's not, that's not going to happen. You'll, they'll find a way to put a team together. It's just a matter of, of like whenever they got Kirk uh, originally, you know, Spielman and people were happy. Hey, we got our quarterback and a durable quarterback, they, a nice passer. We're set there. But guys like Zimmer were saying, hey, what about the defense? Uh, if we don't win it in 2019, all of a sudden my top three corners are out the door because we can't afford them. And that's what happened. Yeah. And you don't get much better uh, free agent signings cap wise than uh, Zadaria Smith, who, where the Packers were paying $11 million of his salary last year. If you can do that, that's pretty, that's pretty good maneuvering, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and, and then I, when I look at someone like him, you know, I, I, if, if I have my, any, had any advice to people who look at free agency, don't look at what they were, look at what you think they're going to be. Mm. And like, you know, Zedarius was uh, fantastic for the first nine games. Zedarius was a hurt older player the last nine games, eight games, whatever it was. To me, uh, moving on from him is not – I don't sit here and, and go, oh, my gosh, we need him back. I, I worry about, okay, I, I like the Belichick thinking of cut him a year too early as opposed to a year too late, and find, but find a younger guy, develop a younger guy behind him and it, so you don't have to pay him all that money that it would take to bring him back onto the team which i think we're all pretty much know that he's not coming back yeah certainly not at, at the contract that he has um all right moving on just a little bit what else did uh Quasi have to say this morning that stuck out to you any other takeaways from the from the presser i know you said <laughs> well, about jefferson that was uh not a surprise to anybody but uh, well yeah i think you know whatever you're talking about you want praise uh, Jefferson, I mean, and Jefferson yeah. earns this type of praise. He said, I don't want to be a GM without that guy on the team. Uh, so Kirk's got worse than love, man. Yeah. Who's throwing that ball? Yeah. But okay. So that's JJ. Uh, Jefferson's up here. Kirk's in the middle as Kirk's, you know, Jefferson's got the winning record. Kirk's 500-ing it. <laughs> and then, but poor Dalvin Cook, uh, what Dalvin got, I think if you read between the lines, Dalvin got a uh, great player, great leader. Uh, but then he started tap dancing big time about the cap and having to fit all the pieces together. And if you have watched enough of these for a while, it's, you know, he's either got to take a big pay cut, which I don't think Dalvin and his people would be ready to take, or he's, he gets released. I, you know, I don't, I'm not, uh, if I knew all this stuff, I'd be Rob Brzezinski and I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be talking to you, Joe. Well, there so, was a, but, a tweet this week that by Dalvin's agent, something of the fact that uh, pitcher downs, yeah, and if they could ever learn to, if they could learn to run, call a running play or something. So there's some shade being thrown out by his his agent. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Uh, well, you know, if, if I were the, you know, the Vikings don't, I certainly wouldn't do this, but uh, you know, a uh, a sarcastic person might say, <laughs> uh, might run a run a series of third and ones that. Uh, uh, a third do we know one any running people, Mark. Do we know any yeah. of those guys? Third, if, if if you're technologically advanced enough to, to pull all the third <laughs> ones, that's not that's not to say oh. that Dalvin's Dalvin is a great 
Uh, but whenever somebody you see something like that, there's always another side to it. And, um, you know, for that kind of money, and I, I think when a running back, when they get paid like this uh, up front, they got to be, you know, that's why the guaranteed money for them is, is the only thing that matters because they know that if they sign some five, six year deal and the chances are, they're not going to be there at the end of that contract. So you get as much guaranteed money as you can. And then just accept the fact that you're by the nature of your position and where the league is now, you can be great, but you still can be expendable. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate for running backs, but that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, it is. It's tough. I, 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 I'd hate to see uh, Dalvin go because I loved watching him play, especially when he'd break through and bust a long one. I, I, I thought they were going to get him more involved in the uh, uh, passing game this past year, and they really didn't. Um, Jefferson is just a black hole for all the passes coming out of the backfield. Uh, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's bad. They, they do have the people behind him, which they can make this move. And when you look at the cap, this is going to be probably one they might have to bite on. You know, you put uh, Adam Thielen right up there as well. Something's got to, something's got to give with, with, with either Cook or Thielen or somebody else that uh, chews up so much of the cap. Yeah. And then uh, he also t- commented on uh, Dalvin Tom uh, Tomlinson about, um, basically the old, by their, they decided to, um, they, they moved that, uh, uh, void date from whatever it was in February to March 15th, uh, which means that both sides are interested in a, in a long-term deal. So there's a guy that, um, which I think is makes sense because although, you know, I, I think I've said anything's on the table, except maybe, um, the, the Neil Hunter, when it comes to the defense, you know, if you look at the cap, I would much rather have yeah. Dalvin Tomlinson at, you know, a smaller cap number and have him as a player as opposed to not having him on the team and taking that seven and a half million dollar uh, dead money hit that would that was going to that they avoided his contract. Yeah, um, it's probably need to, you know, it, it, it by them moving his void number or his contract void number, they, they've obviously made a, a good faith effort to him that they want him around and certainly at a cheaper price. So, um that was a, a sign, a tea leave you can already read. Um, well, let's let's take a quick break and uh, we'll we'll step away and come on back and and uh, talk more about uh, what's going on with the Vikings. So come on back to Vikings territory breakdown. Okay, folks, welcome back to Vikings territory breakdown with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Mark, uh, uh, crazy. Have anything else that stuck out to you about? Uh, you, you said he met. You were telling me in the off off during the break that he um, made mention of uh, his draft picks for last year and what happens if down the road, can you, can you tell me to talk about that a little bit, what he said? Well, he, he was, he was joking and kind of, you know, uh, talking about the reality. I mean, uh, part of it was the reality of the, of the position, you know, and the way the NFL turns over so much, so quickly, he's, he said something about, you know, like, we need to, we need to make the right picks, but we also need to make uh, the picks that, um, produce in my in the, within his horizon within his time he, goes, he said something like if, if i if you know if the wills fire me in four years uh you know i can't go back and say hey you know look at my draft picks and how they're developing and i thought that was ironic considering you know if you look at the vikings and what they did with 13 they won 13 games and uh you know uh, uh darisaw cleveland uh, o'neill Cook, uh, you know, were draft picks of, of Rick Spielman, yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel Hunter, uh, um, Harrison Smith, you know, on and on and on and on. I mean, the 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 uh, 
the contribution from what was what was done by Quasi last year was not uh, was not huge. Uh, so right, uh, I think you know he's uh, he's got to have a, a better draft than he had last year. And those or guys that, faster. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, the wheels don't strike me as any as as someone that would fire anyone in. The Wilfs now don't strike me as anyone that would fire as people that would fire anyone in within four years. Uh, but I think, you know, he does need to kind of, uh, he needs to, to be making some better picks. Uh, he also needs those, uh, those top two guys in that first pick uh, first draft to, to turn it around health wise. Speaking of that, do you think, uh, do you think that, uh, uh, hang on. Is that Quasi? I think so. He knows I'm just going to rip him. Uh, he, uh, speaking of that, I mean, last year's draft, he was a trading machine and he made all these big moves that made you think that he knew that something that somebody else didn't, it all kind of, you know, his first two picks that were on the IR for uh, uh, the whole season virtually. So that didn't work out, but you know, uh, He's, he's, it's, it's on you, Quasi, to, to make the right picks, like you say, and get them developed and get somebody who's, who's ready to play if you need somebody to play that fast that before, before you're going to get let go. I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I guess this is a long way of asking. What do you think? Do you think he'll be as trade happy this year because oh, yeah. he has yeah. less picks? B, uh, they didn't work out so good for him last year. Oh, I think he'll be aggressive. I think he- – he was asked about, you know, how the difference between now and years, years past when you didn't trade within the division. And, you know, he sort of poo-pooed it and said, uh, you know, this the, basically the, the GMs now have grown up in a, at a time when you, you, it's not, the fear isn't there to make these picks and, uh, you know, sort of saying, you know, uh, uh, we, we'll be judged on them. You know, I'll probably be judged on them. Well, of course you'll be judged on them. And, and 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 uh, if if the if the receiver in Detroit and the receiver in Green Bay are fantastic and go on and are Pro Bowl players and they're they're running by your defense every twice a year, then yeah, you're going to answer for that. So yeah, so that's the risk you take. Um, he he believes that you know it could be win win on both sides. Uh, and I, I guess I admire that because he's not afraid of the the backlash he's going to get, mm-hmm. but he's going to get it, and so he better you know be able to to deal with it and. Uh, I don't know that, um, and this this is not either neither here nor there when it comes to building a team. But uh, you know, he came out as, and I like the guy. And I, he's open. He was open at the start, and he kind of went through one interview and got some negative pub on that, and he kind of crawled crawled into a hole, and you didn't see you see much of him. And then so um, that, like I said, that's just you know, although you you do want your your GM to, to be more, you know, open with, uh, with us, with in turn is open with the fans. So I hope that he's able to maybe have thicker skin and then, uh, and cause yeah, I, I, he's aggressive. Just like today's coaches are aggressive on the field. These GMs are very aggressive off the field. And yeah, I absolutely think that he will be trading. Uh, like he, you know, he'll be as active as he was last year. And he's almost got to trade players because, you know, he's got the four draft picks and potentially get a, a fifth comp- compensatory pick for Tyler Conklin going out, as, losing him as a free agent last year. But uh, uh, he's almost got to trade some of these guys that are under contract. Good Lord. And uh, so Quasi doesn't mad. agree. He's mad. He is mad. Um, Someone's trying to, someone trying to trade up, Joe. <laughs> 
So, so I mean, do you see him trading somebody that uh, some big name that he's got that that you know? And what are they going to get for him if if they know, they know the Vikings because of their cap situation have to uh, maybe let him go anyway? You know, I, I just right. think Any, it's a great spot. I, I think anybody that they would trade, they wouldn't get much because they would know that the Vikings might be releasing them. Uh, you know, you're not going to get. No one's going to trade for Dalvin Cook. I mean, even though he's a great player, you know, no one's going to trade for him at his age and, you know, just his contract. And, uh, you know, Thielen, I thought, was maybe the the one that, uh, you know, you could trade. But, again, it's like well, that's not going to be enough to really move the needle. I mean, I you, you got the 23rd or 22nd – 23rd pick, I think, because they had 24th originally and then uh, – the Dolphins got it. Their first round taken away. So the twenty third overall pick, um, you know, he, you know, I could see him trading down with that. He certainly, you know, he traded out of the twelfth pick and got, my, you know, him trading out of twelve last year wasn't, wouldn't have, would have been more, uh, you know, had it would have been a better thing for someone like me. I think other people felt the same way. If they'd have got more, they just didn't seem like they got right. enough to, yeah. to, to, to go from the top half of the draft top 12 pick down to the, to the end. And then, you know, didn't get what I thought they should have got out of it. If you trade down the 23rd, you almost got to get something else late in the first and then maybe a third rounder. I mean, to, to, to make that trade, you, you know, they need, they need more numbers right now. And I hate, I hate to see them trade out of the first round it for any, any stretch of the imagination, but that's the only way you're, that's the only way you're going to get, somebody else like that right and then you got to be careful with that because you know the the browns when they had their analytics people going haywire you know they were trading out trade down trade down trade down and getting a bunch of bunch of players that you know didn't end up you know amounting to anything it's uh yeah if you're if you know that you uh you had a crystal ball and you or you were proven at really picking late in the draft and nailing it time after time after time uh, then yeah, maybe it's, it works, but to me, you're just, you're giving up a, like last year, maybe a 12th pick, you're giving up a great player for maybe a good player and some other good player. Yeah. I don't, you know, uh, you got, that's all things they have to weigh, but I do know that, you know, he's, however, however he does it, he'll probably be tr- looking to trade and get more picks wow. and stuff like that. Ultimately it comes down to uh talent evaluation and that's how where you have to succeed because, Anybody can be a crapshoot. First overall pick could could flash out just like uh, some of those quarterbacks in the past. I can't even think of their names. Ryan Leaf was second pick, and there was another one, uh, Russell, the guy from uh, Jamarca Russell. Right. Yeah, and those things can wash out. He can wash out anywhere along the night. You know, it's seventh overall pick goes to uh, what's his name, uh, the receiver for Randy Moss that they traded away, and he never. He never, right. yeah, yeah, uh, Troy, Troy Williamson and Troy Williamson. Uh, so you, you got to be able to identify guys that can play and you know and mitigate their their propensity to wash out. So if you're good at that, I think ultimately you will succeed. I remember, you know, I, I, the thing I liked about Denny Green, I thought he was great at at doing that. I didn't know some of the other stuff was questionable for me with Denny, but boy, I thought he knew talent and I knew who, he knew how to find players that he wanted. But uh, so it comes down to that. Speaking of players, the Vikings are going to need some more in their defense. But in the meantime, they they picked up uh, Brian Flores, the uh, new DC, uh, hired some some guys to his staff this week, and uh, you know, Mark, there were a couple guys that he's had some history with, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lance Bennett is uh, 
the defensive quality control coach. This is a guy that was um, he was a teammate of, of Flores in uh, high school, high school football in Brooklyn. Uh, and then they when um, Flores became the head coach in Miami, uh, this guy was his assistant head coach. Uh, so he's a, a confidant, a friend. He's also the guy that uh, was a witness whenever Flores made the accusation that Stephen Ross, the owner, had uh, offered a hundred grand to, to tank games. So uh, this is a guy Should've that went higher. Should have went higher. So I don't, he doesn't have a lot of experience when it comes to NFL coaching, but he's a guy that you bring in a confidant, a guy, a guy that, uh, you know, it's kind of what's it'd be worth watching to see what, what this guy's role is. Uh, Mike uh, Saravo is an inside linebackers coach. He replaces Greg Minuski, who they didn't bring back and he ended up going to Denver uh, he was the inside linebackers coach at, uh, or he was a, a uh, graduate assistant, I believe, at, at Boston College when Flores was uh, was a player there, linebacker there. Uh, and so he's been the last uh, three years uh, in Carolina, got like 20 years of co- college and uh, pro coaching. Mm-hmm. So, you know, an interesting guy. You get these, uh, when you get a new guy, you're going to get uh, like-minded or, or um, people that they're comfortable with going back. So, uh, just another two voices, especially with uh, with Mike's being, you know, hey, this is how we, this is how this guy wants it done, um, as opposed to how it was done last year. So probably an aggressive mentality that bringing in with a position coach, inside linebackers coach, uh, and he and he'll be working. Uh, that guy has a pretty important role, I I think, because uh, um, Asamoa is going to find one of those start two starting positions. Uh, so he'll be a starter. He'll be a, a guy that, that's going to need a lot of position coaching. Uh, and then they promoted a Grant uh, Udinsky uh, last year was assistant to the head coach special uh, projects. Uh, he's going to be the assistant um, quarterbacks coach, 26 years old, uh, coaching Kirk, who's going to be 35 in August. So <laughs> helping coach Kirk. Uh, so, yeah, some some maneuverings. And, uh, you know, for the most part, other than losing a, their one of their coordinators, you know, the staff comes back uh, pretty intact and um, with a much, much different mentality coming from the top uh, defensively. Well, you got to feel that uh, uh, <clears throat> Brian Flores is going to be comfortable here. I mean, he knew he coached with uh, or he was with KOC in the past, I think, in New England. He's uh, so he's comfortable in that. And now he's bringing in players that are going to that he knows and he's familiar with. He's going to be comfortable. He should be, you know, give him the players. He should be ready to. Hit the hit the uh, hit the gate and get going because uh, um, you know that there shouldn't be any uh, uh, breaking in period. I, I I expect him to hit the bricks and just get firing out there if, if he gets the players that he needs. Uh, um, it sounds like it's a good a good setup for him. Would you agree with that? Well, he would, we have to see what, what kind of players they. It all it all comes down to the players, really. I mean, yeah. if if they can't put if they can't put the players on the field, uh, you know, it doesn't. You know, all these schemes, number one, probably won't work, and two, it doesn't really matter what schemes you play if they, if you don't have the players to uh, to execute it. So yeah, I, you know, I think do we? I think I think there's a mentality if if they if if they keep Harrison Smith and he's around, I think that this coaching mentality is much better suited for Harrison Smith than it would be uh, with last year's defense. Do you see uh, uh, the move with Dalvin Tomlinson this week and the seeming interest to keep him around? That's, 
that's got to be a sign that maybe he fits into Flory's scheme and idea of what he well, wants to do. Do you see that? Cl well, clearly, yeah. I mean, that, that otherwise they would have just let him walk. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Tomlinson's a guy that again, if you can, if you can get him. You know, I mean, right now, like as Quasey said, they're just kind of buying time to work a contract to, to put the, all the pieces together financially. Uh, if you can get him at the right cap number, you know, it's. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a guy that they certainly can work with. Uh, well, that's, that's one signal they've sent. Uh, I haven't seen too many more. I mean, you know, uh, there's, there's so much, there's so much that this defense and the team has to do here. And so, so little capital to do it with, but, and so on that cheery note, let's take another quick break and we'll be back on Vikings territory breakdown. Okay, folks, welcome back to Vikings territory breakdown with Mark Craig from the star tribune. Mark, uh, the combine's going on this week down in Indy again, is it in Indy? And I, I thought they moved it out of there one time. Are they? Uh, no, they're they're in Indy, but it's I think it's going to start moving around. It's yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking. Because you know, when it when it becomes a show, you know, I've been there in so many years. When I went there, they were talking about how it had become commercial, and now that that was before. I think it was even on it was on TV. It was uh, you, know, you still were able to go and like do the interviews and. Uh, and then when the guys came off the podium, it was, you know, like just, it was very small, key, small key, low key at that time. And now it's, yeah. it's blown up into oh, as God, the NFL. Yeah. yeah. Covering it all week. And everybody. Are you going to, you know, you're going to be watching like linemen run the 40 uh, all day Saturday or whatever it is. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, I'd be glued, I'm glued to the TV. Well, God, I, I already heard, uh, an interview with, uh, the always, uh, always old timer that you want to talk to Kelly Klein, who used to work in the PR department at, uh, at the Vikings. And she was on PA this morning. So, you know, they're doing all these, these uh, interviews, you know, with each other before they can get to the players and, and the coaches and stuff. Reminds me of Monty Python sketch called Wicker <laughs> Island, where all these guys were these interviewers interviewing each other. And that's, <laughs> well, that's, that's a lot of, that's, you know, I guess that that's happens. not too far from this right here, right? Because I, you know, yeah, we're we're, we're all just filling air. It's like, we're on Wicker like, Island. Wait, shh. wait, this is a that we're not supposed to let that secret out of the bag, Joe. No, I suppose not. We can cut that later. Mike Mike Walden will cut that for us. Uh, okay, you know what? What are the Vikings looking for down there this week? They got Quasi and uh, uh, KOC down there in Indy, and and they got plenty of. Plenty of holes to fill, but what do you look at them as priorities uh, going into this combine? Hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, there's That's so many. That's a great kind of, answer, Mark. Yeah, a, oh, man. Hmm. Oh, wait. Hey, let's, let's, let's start. Let's start. They're, they're, they're trying to trade Kirk, and they're going to move up to number one and oh then draft a quarterback. There you go. Run with that one. Uh, no. I don't know. It's, 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 it's weird because it just feels like, you know, they took two corners at the top last year. It just, I'm worried that those guys are not going to, you know, they're not going to be around. So I'm always thinking corner or, or yeah, I guess the defensive person personality that I am, I'm thinking, how, how do you, you know, if you, if you got your quarterback, how do you affect the other quarterback? And one would be uh, an edge rusher or, or, or something on the inside. You know, I don't think they got it. The defensive line just it just wasn't enough last year. Uh, Zadarius is going to be gone. So edge rusher, corner, 
Um, hope, you know, not certainly not safety because they went number one on that. And I think they're hoping he comes through. Uh, but I, I, I'm looking on the defensive side and, and I know, uh, of course, by the time we get to the draft, they, every position, you know, every position except maybe punter will be bandied about as the Vikings number one pick, you know, so, cause they're set at punter, as you mentioned last week, uh, <laughs> they want, they won the, the draft last year because they took yeah, that right. punter after the draft. Um, so maybe, and he can throw the ball. So maybe he'll play backup quarterback. Uh, but no, I, I think it's defense, but uh, you hear people saying the receiver is a possibility. Uh, it, to me, it's, it all depends on what's, you know, what's there, what's the best. It's the biggest cliche that you're going to hear this time of year, but what, what's the best player available and, and within reason. I mean, they, people say that, but it's also got to match your needs. Well, the Vikings could have, you know, you could have said last year, they, maybe they uh, had a need at, at receiver, number three receiver. Um, but you know, I, I like. I think they're looking at defensive players. How do they? How do they improve this defense to make it match with the guy who has? How do we word it, Joe? He meets the threshold of being able to win a championship. <laughs> so you want you want your defense to be able to meet that threshold too, or come close to it. Um, I'm thinking cornerback is a huge deal, but I'm also thinking Patrick Peterson is gone. Do you think so? And and if he is, doing you say it? Because the two, they got a Caleb Evans and Booth that you want to, uh, Andrew Booth, you want to step in and start playing. But one has injury issues and the other has concussion issues. You know, uh, so there's nothing there. I mean, that seems to be a glaring need because Patrick Peterson was great last year, but, you know, maybe he's not maybe he's not the right fit for this defensive scheme either. I don't know. What are your thoughts there on that? Just focus. Well, you know, my thoughts of looking at, I mean, I, I, I just got done saying you cut him a year too early as opposed to a year too late, but whenever he's, he's clearly the only guy that you could rely on last year. Um, And you know that he's a professional. He's uh, handles his business the way it's, it's an A plus in that category. He also helps your, your younger players, uh, which, Sometimes I think is overrated, but in this case, I, I don't think it necessarily is with how, how he <coughs> his impact with the younger guys. Uh, and it's he's one of those guys where you look to replace him, and if you can't, you're open to bringing him back. Uh, I don't think he's going to break the bank. It certainly it would be a one year deal. Uh, I, I think he comes back on a one year deal, unless you know. I don't see anybody else in the league kind of being competing for him in a in a way that's going to be outpay the Vikings. So I could see him coming back on a one-year deal and, and then it's up to him. And if he's the best, you know, if he's the best corner uh, that they, that you have, then he's back out there. Uh, so yeah, I don't, you know, in, in a perfect world, you'd replace them all. You'd have a perfect spot. They'd all be younger, cheaper, faster, but uh, it, no, it's not realistic. And I think he's a guy that you might find you, you might get to the, get to the summer and go, you know, or before the summer and say, Hey, you know, we we gotta we gotta ride with this guy again another, well, at least one more year. Yeah, I worry about uh, him fitting in the scheme because I, I know he he enjoyed the the uh, the zone kind of deal that uh, Ed Dunnell ran last year. So maybe his this more aggressive, you know, maybe some man coverage might not be his thing. I don't know. I guess we're means to be well, but he, he he's also the guy that went to uh, I think he went to O'Connell or and said you know back when they were they were so soft coming out of the Philadelphia game and some of those other games. And it, he was one of the guys that kind of forced the issue of playing a little tighter coverage, having him have a little more freedom to play tighter coverage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, 
like I said, in a perfect world, you, when he gets to that age, you move on and you, you find something else. But certainly, at least coming into camp, if he's the only reliable guy you got, the other guy's got to prove that they can be reliable enough to, to, to get him down the road. You know, we talked a little bit about receiver, and I made the point earlier that uh, what's his name? Uh, Jefferson is a black hole for a passing coming out of this backfield. Do you think, therefore, I mean, with him, maybe it's a stupid question, and if it is, I'm sure you'll let me know. Uh, if if, uh, if if that's the case, then maybe doesn't that lessen your priority there? Because you got him, you got uh, Osborne, who's who's moving his up way up towards uh, a second receiver. Um, you know, and, and we don't know what's going to happen with Adam Thielen, but I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys that could, could play that third role. Perhaps. I, I, I don't know. Doesn't that lessen your, your need for a wide receiver in the, in the first round at least? Well, it all depends on what, uh, like if there's a great, if there, if, if there's a great receiver there at 23 um, and they take him, I would think that's a pretty good sign that yeah. uh, they're moving on from, uh, or they've moved on from Thielen. Um but yeah, it's, it's so many pieces. Uh, to me, it's a. It all depends on who's there. If there's a, if there's a fantastic receiver there, you take him. If there's a, you know, as opposed to like a so-so, you know, edge rusher, yeah, you know, I go with the the, the better player because uh, yeah. then you make it work on the on the other side of that. Uh, but yeah, like, um. The ball goes to Jefferson, but it goes to Hawkinson. Hawkinson's a, is a weapon. Right. You know, I think they should have thrown uh, Dalvin. Should have gotten. He got so few screens in this offense, which was kind of puzzling. Exactly. And when he did it, they were, you know some of those toward the end of the year were long gains. And yeah, uh, so so I, I like where they are off, you know, their mentality offensively. But I'm I'm still looking on the other side of the ball. I, I I'm with you. Just oh. uh, that's just where my attention would be. All right, so we uh, let's look on the third side of the ball here real quick. I didn't have this on the agenda, but I wanted to ask you. Saw some some talk chatter on Twitter about Vikings. You know, it's a rumor, but potentially putting the franchise tag on Greg Joseph. You know, the the kicker. A does he deserve it? Is that a good? It's, it'd be like maybe like four to five million a year or something like that is what it would be for his position, and I don't think they would do that with a kicker that. Uh, who was first in game-winning kicks, but he was like last in last in extra points and 28th in field goal attempts. So I, I I don't know that you would. I know they don't have any other option there, and they certainly don't want to waste a draft pick on a kicker. But uh, uh, what any thoughts there? No, I would not spend a franchise pick on on him. Uh, you know, I I don't see anybody that would be beating down the door to give him that money. So. Right. Why would you why would you compete against yourself and, and put his salary, you know, that high, you know, to what is the top five or whatever it is at his position? Uh, I mean, I, obviously, when you when a kicker is a franchise player, it's not the big money that you that you're looking at if you put your quarterback uh, as a franchise player. But no, I I don't see the need for that at all, especially whenever you're be hard to do that and then uh, rework all these other contracts and and put it all together financially. I, I, it's just a move. I don't think they need to, they need to even consider. 
Note to self, don't dig up any idle Twitter rumors and ask Mark about it. He will give you the Heisman. Okay, got that. But, uh, but you know, since I totally dismissed that, uh, I fully expect that Greg Joseph will be signing his franchise. It'll be like big news. <laughs> yeah, like, then, then, then people can play, you know, play my response to your. There you go. Um, ask a nine question. Kevin O'Connell, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, will speak on Wednesday yes. at the Combine. Yes, he will. Uh, and, Mark, I'm sure you're all fired up to hear his, his great insights that he will he will divulge because that's what they always do at the Combine. Not. Uh, any thoughts on what he might do? And let me ask it this way. What would you ask him if you were, if you would, uh, if you were heading down to Indy after this is we're done taping? What would I ask him? Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? What's the biggest burning question for you for the offseason for KOC, baby? Is Kirk Cousins, let's see, well, how is that worded? Is Kirk Cousins, does he meet the threshold to win? I'd want to know that. Uh, I don't know. I would, hmm. I mean, uh, he'll, he'll certainly be asked about Kirk Cousins. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I think you'll get a little more glowing. Uh, that's probably true. Although I, I I'm not going to rip what he, what Quasey said. I, I liked what Quasey said about Kirk Cousins. I think he explained it, yeah, the way it should be explained. Right. Um, but yeah, he'll be talking, and and, uh, and um, as Kevin O'Connell, even he'll admit though, his answers will be very long and very wordy, and and there probably won't be as many questions as some other coaches. Uh, <laughs> even even he pokes himself, fun at himself for how how uh, long winded he is. Should do a, 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 a timing contest on who gives longer answers, him or uh, Brett Favre. Of course, Brett Favre asks himself the questions and then answers himself. Maybe not. But yeah. you brought up Cousins again. I, I forgot to mention this. I mentioned it earlier, but I'll say it, you know, talk about it now. Kirk Cousins got a Netflix series coming up in July. He's uh, apparently they did three. Well, they got right now, they got this full swing behind the scenes. It's called Full Swing Behind the Scenes of the PGA Tour. You know, done last year while all these players were going to the live tour. So off and on, it's been pretty interesting. I've seen about three or four episodes, and uh, uh, this is going to be something similar, probably just as you're heading into the uh, football season, just like that was for the PGA season. And um, three quarterbacks. What was it? Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and who was the third one? Uh, uh, Marcus Mariota, who I think just got released. Did uh, so. yes. Absolutely. My, my guess is they they found someone that they wanted. They wanted the superstar, and then they wanted uh, maybe Kirk's in the the middle guy. I guess I don't know. And then uh, Mariota would be the down toward the bottom. I don't know. Just um, but it's it, uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, I think Kirk will be really good on this. It's you're gonna you know inside the beautiful mind of Kirk Cousins, people might be able to uh, be interested to see just as there's. I think Peter King uh, previewed uh, like was one scene where Kirk, um, you know, it was after the Lions game, they won the game and Kirk, uh, uh, they, they, they kind of came back in that game or they held a lead or whatever it was. They came back score. and won. They did win. Yeah, it was a one, one score, one score, one of their, one of their yeah. one score wins. And Kirk is laboring over, uh, sitting around the fire at home, laboring over a bad throw that he had. Um, I always thought Kirk uh, – he was good this year. He kind of opened up a little bit, but I thought when Kirk first came here, people would, when they'd rip him for throwing people under the bus, I always thought that I, I enjoyed how how much thought he put into answers like, Hey, what happened here? And he might say some things that, that then became interpreted as, 
oh, he's throwing the tackle onto the bus. He's throwing this guy. And then he kind of clammed up, as they always do, whenever they, people start beating them over with their answers. Um, so it'd be interesting to see in this in this setting just how how much Kirk uh, – we all know that Kirk is an over – he overthinks everything. Yeah. Uh, it'd be kind of fun, fun to watch him kind of talk about his process, his thought process, and how he – uh, how he does it, and, and that they also they got a good year for it because my goodness, right. I'm sure that there's gonna be there's gonna be clips of him on the plane. Uh, there's all this uh, the Kirk Oak chain stuff, and so right. for Vikings fans, I think it, it's gonna be uh, well worth watching, and it's gonna be interesting to watch. It can only help him, right? <clears throat> Reputation wise, I mean, he, he does have this. Uh, you said you know he he did give thoughtful answers, then it clammed up, and he he was not protective, but. He stayed out of the limelight other than what he really had to do on his weekly thing, but never said too much, never was controversial. Just, you know, he's, he's pretty even keel. If you're seeing him with this angst around a campfire after a game, I, I think it's got to only help his reputation that someone who really feels it, someone who really wants it. You know, we've got that. You like that. You like that. So we know that a passion burns within him at, on some level. Um, but to hear that description of him just, you know, God dang, I've, I've, uh, I, I, I live down beatdowns by, you know, I'm screwing up to you on the, the 18th hole, you know, on a match play thing. And I, I, I wear that for, for weeks. I didn't know that, uh, people at the <laughs> professional level do it as well. You know, I was like, you know, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, to me, it sounds interesting and, and definitely worth watching. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I was talking to O'Connell uh, when I did a story and uh, was not, not something we were writing, but, he, he uh, we were talking about him, Kirk singing uh, or Kirk, you know, like singing at the, uh, at the NFL honors show, which was painful to watch because, and then I realized I didn't watch it live. So I found out that other guys sang and I was like, wow, these were all painful to watch. Uh, but it was the best though. But I, you know, I, I gave him credit for like putting himself in that situation. And then O'Connell really liked that. O'Connell liked the, uh, the fact that Kirk is kind of doing these things. Uh, I think Kirk has now made a this past year made a, a way of because Kirk let's let's face it in this setting with when you got Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and all these guys that are younger than Kirk and they're more uh, like the the um, NFL hip and stuff where uh, they're just a different crowd of people when it comes to the NFL and then you have Kirk Kirk's kind of the nerd in the corner you know who's yeah. also who's who is belongs with him. You know, he's, he's earned his way. He's a good, he's a, you know, he's, he's a, uh, what do we say? He meets the meets threshold. The threshold yes. He meets the threshold of being with these guys and leading them. And, uh, you know, whether or not he was a leader before was not, uh, was, was in question by the past regime. They didn't think he was, or at least parts of that regime didn't think that he was the leader. Uh, so he kind of became a leader. Uh, you know, would have helped him if his image, if he had won a playoff game, but I think he kind of made uh, made some hay off of the fact that hey, he's the he's the nerd trying to act cool, uh, not afraid to put himself out there and trying to act a different way. Uh, so I think it was a good you know good year for him off the field, and that, this will be a, a fun thing to watch to see uh, just to see unfold. It, it totally will. And the ironic thing about it is, it will come out in July, and there will be these things for Kirk Stands and uh, Kirk Haters to just say one thing. And we'll all be a year old. I mean, right, yeah. it all happened all this long time ago. And then all of a sudden it will become this 
present moment, like, oh my God, did you hear what Kirk said? You know, it's like, no, oh God, he was that was a year ago. That's that's water on the bridge. But, anyway, but the, but the thing with 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 Kirk is, you know, I mean, uh, it'll be fun to watch because I don't think even the people who hate him cannot question his the drive that he has, right? The right. desire, the desire to you know to play well that he has, absolutely. Uh, the toughness. I mean, it, he's yeah. as tough as any quarterback in the league. So a lot of these traits that should be like win people over, it, it doesn't seem to do that with with him. Um, just because of the wind, the winds haven't piled up enough, and the playoff success hasn't. So if he ever got that, you know, he he could uh, you know, skyrocket in. Perception. I agree. I agree with you. That's what I think will help. And Kirk is not exactly Kirk is not a straight cash homie guy. He's just no, not. I mean, Kirk, you know, he's he's for a guy who's gotten paid. I mean, he's he's. I think so, I saw somewhere he's number eleven all time in money. Which, you know, if you play quarterback in today's NFL, you're going to be somewhere toward the right. top of historically. But I don't think Red Grange, even though when they they gave Red Grange like twenty five grand to to join the Bears, that was uh, outrageous. Uh, right. Kirk, Kirk gets a little more than that per snap, probably. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's Kirk is not about the money. Kirk, I mean, uh, he, he's. He gets his money, but the football, the love of football, the drive, the desire, the toughness is is there for, for Kirk. There's no question. Some sad news this week for the Vikings and the Vikings franchise. Um, Red McCombs passed away. The old former owner of the Vikings, who came in after after Denny made his bunker bunker claim to be the next owner, and uh, I think that's what it was. And then he. Uh, I think uh, Red sold out to the to the Wills, and uh, we've been on the up uptick ever since. I believe uh, I was never a big Red McCombs fan, but you can't say he wasn't entertaining for uh, the mark he left here. Uh, you know, there's that old phrase, "Purple Pride," that still rings sourly in some people's minds. Uh, from an outsider's point of view, who covered him, what did what did I know? You got some old McCombs stories, but what are your thoughts on? Red's legacy here, the guy who traded away Randy Moss. Dear God. Yeah, I mean, Red, you know, Red came in. My first year was 2000, covering the team was 2003. So, you know, I, you know, going down to Mankato and Red, the day Red would come wheeling in, you know, cowboy boots and jeans and, you know, sweating, pouring off of him and, but still going 100 miles an hour at whatever he was at that time in his 80s, maybe at that point or, or late 70s. Um, so yeah, purple pride, you know, and then the, this, the showmanship, uh, the, uh, he was maybe Trump before Trump when it came to like, yep. uh, like they, when it came to like, uh, the pre, like when you walk, go to a preseason game and they, they would read the, this was the most exciting, the most exciting thing in, in NF and in, in sports is the preseason football of whittling those, the, you know, that's some big long speech, everyone rolling their eyes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, red got to the end. Uh, he's a car salesman. Uh, well, Red wanted a new stadium. Red Red beat the drum for a new stadium for for years and years and years. And you know, in some, to some degree, the, the the Taj Mahal that they have now, you know, Red Mahomes certainly made a lot of inroads to push that to to the point where it became, oh my gosh, you know, the, they might lose the Vikings if they don't if they don't uh, you know uh, get a stadium. And Red at when when Tim Pawlenty, uh, I was talking to Red, he's like, he said, well, you know. Um, you know, Jesse Ventura just told me flat out, you know, I'm not going to get involved at your stadium. And he said, and he, and he claims that Tim Pawlenty, you know, um, 
that wasn't truthful with him. And so he, he wanted to stay. And when it got to the point where he's going to sell, he sold first to Reggie Fowler. Uh, Reggie Fowler, that situation fell through. The Wills had to step up as primary owners. In that in that period is when, you know, Randy Moss had, uh, uh, he had the, the game in Washington where, you know, like he walked off the field uh, before the game was over. And then it got to the point where, you know, Randy uh, in Red's eye, you know, Red's eyes was uh, becoming a cancer in the locker room. And, he, and Red loved Randy. You know, when he came in, that was the first draft pick. And, they, you know, we go 15 and one, uh, but they get to the end. And he, so Red is the one that forced that trade. They, you know, and, and in Red's defense, I mean, they got they got pretty good value for that. They just there's no they defense. Got, they, got, they got the seventh overall pick, but they blew the pick. Uh, so they, they you know, Vi- Vi- they so the Vikings line. had yeah the Vikings had to scramble and, and, and make that trade. The Wilfs, you know, in hindsight, they, whenever I was doing a story on that trade, uh, you know, the Wilfs were uh, like uh, Ziggy Wilf told me that Red had guaranteed them that they he would not trade Randy or make any moves while this right. was going on. And then I went to Red. Red was like, "That's that's BS." He goes, uh, "I, you know, they didn't, they couldn't come up with the money the first time with with Reggie Fowler. I had no idea." He goes, "This is the move we wanted to make for the football team." So there's some question of one side believes that he did it in spite, you know, like it was basically the middle finger to Minnesota on his way out. I'm going to trade your your legend, uh, and the others were like, and then he was just like, "Yeah, I'm just trying to, to operate and uh, and you know for the team." But you know, obviously, when Red when Red found out that he wasn't going to get there was no dead end with the stadium, they became the you know, the the probably the biggest penny pinchers in the league. I mentioned earlier how uh, they had to get up to the minimum part of the salary cap whenever they signed Winfield. Well, they gave Wolf Winfield like a twelve million dollar signing bonus, which at the time you know was outrageous and uh, high. And so that was that was all. It wasn't, it wasn't a signing bonus. It was basically, they that was a it all went on that that year's cap number. Uh, you know, Sid Hartman used to. There's a guy, Gary, Gary Woods was his, uh, the old car guy with Red, and he was uh, became the CEO president. Uh, Sid used to go around calling him Mister Pencils because he, uh, Mister Pencils, because he was a pencil pusher, and he was like, yeah, that's the story was that he was telling people not to throw pencils away before they're they're used up or whatever. That, that was Sid's uh, thing. So, you know, everyone had a mister, you know, mister this, mister that. Yeah. Uh, I do remember you like one. one. Did you, did you have I, one? I got, I only had one, one mister. It was the only, I had a mister Cleveland one time. Wow. And I never, the best was mister was when Jerry Zagoda did the, went to Antarctica and did, wrote a story on uh, being on a ship and, and, uh, and Sid found out that he was gone for a while and he called him Mr. North Pole. For, <laughs> So, Mister North Pole, when you go to the South Pole, that was that, that was Sid in a nutshell. Uh, but like, whenever they the air conditioning broke at uh, Winter Park, uh, they didn't fix it. They got a they got a, an old air compressor with a big plastic tube going into the side of the building, and they pumped uh, cold air in. Uh, Tice was was the lowest paid head coach in the league when he was a head coach. Um, is a used car uh, salesman, right? As the owner, oh, and, okay. and my my my. Old buddy Steve Loney, who I uh, covered with the Gophers and then with the Vikings, uh, when Linehan left, they made Steve Loney, the offensive line coach, the offensive coordinator with no prior experience. And they said, oh, by the way, you're still going to coach the offensive line. So can you imagine today's today's NFL, there's probably no position coach that spends more time with their group in between series or, you know, 
trying to you know iron everything out, looking at pictures. But you're you know you're the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach, and that was just how that's how Tice and his his group had to roll. And in Tice's defense, you know Tice was a, a 500 coach, uh, won a playoff game in Green Bay, uh, was nine and seven the year he got fired. So um, you know that, that that was what it was like operating under Red at the end. It's it's funny for you to say that because it it I mean it it isn't a matter of the league changing so much since that point even though it has, but it's more of a point that red and his regime was really tight and they, they were doing that kind of stuff, even though the league, the rest of the league might not have adhered to that. I mean, you wouldn't have found some guy coaching two different positions on somewhere else around the NFL at that time. Would you? That was just red being an anomaly as opposed to. Well, yeah, that, you know, they, they had a budget that he was, um, you know, he was not going to move off of when it, at one, especially, Whenever the deadline, the dead ends that he got with the stadium. Yeah. And he was also, the, you know, when the Wilfs came in, even though they didn't have their stadium yet, they never, never once were saying they're going to move the team. In fact, they were going over, overboard the other way to say, hey, you know, keep the team here and we'll work out the stadium. Uh, but real red, uh, uh, one of my first interviews with him uh, was before the 2003 opener in, in Green Bay. You know, I, um, was actually interviewing him in the, in the, in his loge before at Lambeau field and something about, you know, what are you going to do if you don't get a stadium? Uh, something about moving. And he said, well, what's you, if the NFL tells you, you can't move or something like that. And he said, also his quote was I'll I'll tell him I'll see you in court. And that became the headline you know, for whatever, whatever story I was working on. Uh, see you in court. And uh, Trumpy so, into a yeah. team. <laughs> well, although, um, red, although red was in, red was entered in, 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 there was good parts to red too. Absolutely, uh, like I said, the, the '98 team was 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 what turned the. You know, I wasn't here, but I wasn't here in '98, let alone before '98. But it's a, it's always fascinating. It was fascinating for me to do stories on how Randy and the '98 yep. team turned the um, franchise around. It really just, did. It turned the the interest in the Vikings around, yep. and I, you know, I, I could, you know, from coming from Cleveland. Whether they were the worst team in the league or the or the best team in well, they were never the best team in the, at least in my lifetime. Uh, but there was always that you know you love the Browns. You, it was a core, and you, the stadium was full all the time. You know, I, it was funny to, for me to hear how the Vikings before '98 had reached a point where you know there, there were empty seats, and uh, you know it wasn't as big as it was it became after '98. Yeah, he wasn't my favorite owner, but uh, rest in peace, Red McCombs. You know, uh, he did uh, he did uh, help turn around the franchise, and it was you know it's more I attribute more to Randy Moss than anybody else. But uh, you know, Red was at the helm, so you got to give him credit for that. Um, well, you know, Mark could probably tell more stories than old Red McCombs, but we will uh, shut her down for this week. And uh, thanks everybody for for tuning in. Thanks, Mark, for coming by with your your insights thanks uh mike walden behind the scenes and thanks joe for putting us here so uh until next week next week we'll probably talk a little bit more about the combine and what what we learned from that and uh so please come on back and check us out then until then skull skull